Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2007 film B-Movie. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware that we may spoil it for you. Enjoy. B-movie, it's a B-movie, it's a film about bees. Good evening, Paddy. It's about bees. It's beautiful. How are you this evening? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm being good, you know, I'm being a good boy. Has it been a good week? It has been an okay week, yeah. I've been doing a lot of reading about NFTs. You've been reading about this stuff? I have. Um, the new cryptocurrency-related scam. <laughs> yeah. It stands for new fucking trash, am I right? <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I actually did just Google if someone had done any B-movie related NFTs and then no one's done one yet. So that's probably something that's going to happen, right? Oh, it's, that's, that's if the internet loves do. a thing, it's going to be eventually exploited by weird rich dicks who want to create a, a strange market for them to spend like millions of dollars to prove how many millions of dollars they've got. So like, get on it. Elon I'm gonna Musk. spend. <laughs> I'm gonna spend thousands of dollars to get a thing that says that I own this thing that I can impress the other five people who have NFTs with. Yeah, I'm gonna spend sixty-five million dollars on a bit of code that links to another bit of code that links to another bit of code that's hosted on the server of a company that's like an auction house for these new art, like fancy art things. But it's foolproof. It's that yeah. company's never gonna go bust. <laughs> No, it's definitely not going to get sold off to another company that then wants to charge the owners of the NFTs money to maintain their servers. That's definitely not going to happen in about yeah. five years' time. Yeah, definitely not going to happen. No one's going to look at that and go, hey, the guy who bought this has bought it for $65 million. be nice if we could have some of that money back. Yeah, here's a charge of $1,000 a month to maintain our servers, please. Nice picture of Jerry Seinfeld in a bee costume you got there. Shame <laughs> if something happened to it. Or rather, shame if something happened to this bit of code that tells everyone that you are the original and true owner of this picture of Jerry Seinfeld in a bee costume that no one can see or gives a shit about. This specific version of this photo that's already been shared all over the place on different platforms as a JPEG. Yep. That's and the thing a PNG. is... They they claim that they... That, that's what is so stupid about this. It's claiming ownership over stuff that actually... It, you can't own because basically the moment something is digitally created it's owned by everybody because someone could just take a screenshot or take a pirated copy and share it everywhere yeah the idea behind it of artists being able to prove some kind of ownership of their work is good but the the trouble is that the way it's being approached is with the auction house of fake rich person nonsense also, we already have that system in place. It's called artists having copyright over their own work and then selling it in a way that's been actually quite successful for artists online for a very long time now. This has just been created as another means for annoying tech dickheads to try and claim that people don't know how to invest money, yeah. which is exactly what happened with, with cryptocurrency. It's lots of people going, oh, you don't know how to do the stocks, yeah? Oh, you don't get tech. You don't know how to do the stocks. This is how cool tech guys do it now, yeah? I'm worth so much money in shitcoin. Stonks and shores. It's just, fuck off, you awful capitalist bastards. <laughs> yeah. They want to talk about how much money B-Movie made, because B-Movie made a lot of money at the box office. B-Movie made not a B-level of money at the box office, <laughs> but an A-level of money at the box nice. office. Nice. They should have called it A-Movie. A movie. So uh, I th- did it really make that much money? 
It made, according to the Wikipedia, budget 150 million, box office 293.6 million. So that's but not is a... that like an astronomical amount of money? That seems mm. to me like an insane amount of money. But I think I don't know loads about like I don't study box office figures all the time. It only ever comes up actually when we do this show and we look up how much a film made, whether it made its budget back. And to me, I'm always like, if it turned a profit, great. If that sum is a ridiculous amount of money to me as an individual, it's a ridiculous amount of money. But actually, maybe it's not. Yeah, remember that. It's not just about making a profit. It's about getting money to the shareholders as well. And so it'll all be about predicting making an astronomical amount of money. Um, The people who have the stonks and shares. Yeah, so just... So, so the, the, the direct example here is the same year that B-Movie came out, Ratatouille came out. Ratatouille's budget was exactly the same as B-Movie's, 150 million. Uh, Ratatouille's worldwide gross was uh, 623 million. Yeah, but that's, that's a Disney slash Pixar film. You can't compare that to the independently made B-Movie. <laughs> yeah, because DreamWorks. The Seinfeld made and produced... He did it all himself. He did it all himself. That's why the animation is so unbelievably ugly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he wrote no. the theme tune. He sang the theme tune. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So, so exactly the same budget made by DreamWorks. Obviously, they were the main challengers at the time to um, to Pixar, and it made you know less than half what Ratatouille made. So it's still a, it's still a, a commendable amount of money for greedy greedy capitalists everywhere but not as much money for greedy greedy pa- capitalists everywhere as Ratatouille made. A go B movie is better, I say having not seen <laughs> Ratatouille. Um so uh, yeah, you've not seen it. I'm going to say the official stance of this podcast Ratatouille is a better movie than B movie because it is. But there were certain things I liked about B movie. I'd never seen it before. Obviously there was those memes a few years ago when people were sharing it and every time they said the word B it sped up for instance that was the big one. Yeah. I um, have seen that. There was lots of That was what you wanted us to watch for the show, right? Yeah, that, that, that's right. That's what we watched. We didn't watch the actual movie. Right. It's a bit like um, people who listen to podcasts at double speed. God bless you, you maniacs. I wonder if anyone <laughs> does listen to us at double speed. Should we start talking really slowly just to make up for it? Yes, I think we should. My name is Rob, and I talk at a normal speed if you do it at fast forward. Ha, ha, ha. Um, oh, sorry, so the count from Sesame Street just popped in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so it's, it's but B movie's not a terrible movie. I was expecting it to be really bad, and there are parts of it that are bad, but there's also bits that are funny. You know what? I quite enjoyed it. I'm yeah. going to say that right now at the outset. Yeah. I it was a palate cleanser for sure. I w- I didn't go in with high expectations. I thought it was a a goofy fun almost. Would you go so far as to say it's an animated shit piece? <laughs> yes, I would. I would call it an animated shit piece. Good. And um, that's our first one, right? That is our first one. So for new listeners, the shit piece does not mean a bad movie. The shit piece is a strange, bizarre and just hypnotic film that makes terrible decisions but is still like undeniably entertaining to watch i guess that's the best way to describe a shit piece isn't yeah it? that sounds about right to me i mean if you think of some of the others that we've done the, the the prototypical one was jupiter ascending which is a film that we actually love yes i yeah. i love it you love it it's a brilliant film but it is also really bizarre totally wild and really out there and lots of stuff in it is very funny as well <laughs> yeah yeah jupiter ascending uh channing tatum has dog ears and rocket boots it's just <laughs> that is it's it's beautiful um so so they could technically be bad movies but yeah. bad and enjoyable at the same time so that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean like a cult classic so bad it's good film like the room um it's kind of a separate thing from that although the room is a shit piece um yeah you don't have to be in a so bad it's good category it can just be a very strange movie that makes awful decisions but somehow it's still really great to watch and i think b movie falls into the i think b movie definitely falls into the category of a shit piece 
A hundred percent. And the shit piece isn't just a so bad it's good film either. It's not Sharknado. It's not that kind of thing where people have deliberately made something stupid. I I think of a shit piece as like something where a lot of good intention has gone into it and ambition has gone into it as well, but not necessarily in a hubristic way. I mean, often they are a bit self-aware. I think B-movie is reasonably self-aware as, as shit pieces go. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, it's... It is a surprisingly clever movie when it wants to be. Which is only um, a quarter of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the the best, what I didn't expect. So obviously the the main discourse around bee movie is it's a bee that wants to fuck a woman and a woman <laughs> who wants to fuck a bee. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. It's, it's teaching children about the birds and the bees. And in this case, the birds is Rene Zellweger, the bees is Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> exactly. Who exactly. saw that pairing coming? Um, but but really, that that constitutes kind of the first third of the movie. So the first third of the movie is is uh, DreamWorks's ants. It was DreamWorks that make ants, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. ants, which is in itself a ripoff of A Bug's Life. <laughs> Well, they came out the same time, didn't they? Ants and a Bug's Life. No, a Bug's Life came out before, I'm sure. Incidentally, you know, my wife is a huge Disney and Pixar fan, but she she hates a Bug's Life. She refuses to watch, to rewatch it. I I'm actually with her. I don't like a Bug's Life. Or well, I I ha- can't tell you whether I like it or not because she won't let me watch it. So I can tell you now, Paddy. Oh, they that... both came out the same year. You're you're right. Yeah, I am right with these things. It's much like Volcano versus Dante's Peak or. Uh, what was the two ones about the the um? There was two movies about a meteorite in the same year, wasn't there? Oh, um, um, which year? The one with Bruce Will- the one with Bruce Willis. I don't want to miss thing. Oh, Armageddon, 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 yeah. and Deep Rising came out the same year. That's right, as well. Um, every so often, movie studios do this, and they're like, "Right, here's exactly the same idea done in a slightly different way." Let's battle it out to see who wins. Let's and battle it why, out. Why are you doing this? Whilst also introducing a whole new generation of kids to Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I remember once, I would ever, my, my enjoyment of that song has permanently been changed because we were in, uh, I was in the studio with Titans and Kings, my rock band. Oh, and, yes. Um, and Big up, our Titans producer our producer antonio shout out to antonio you are wonderful and we love you um in a bit of downtime he was like hey do you want me to ruin don't want to miss a thing for you and he pointed out that at the end of the song during the last chorus someone's playing the triangle and what? once you hear once you hear the ding 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 of the triangle you can never not hear it, it that's a real thing it's a real thing at the end of I don't want to miss a thing in the final chorus. Someone's playing the triangle. And once you hear it, you can never unhear it. I guess it. you can never hear that if you're not listening for it, like looking for it, because Steven Tyler's going, goes, even when I dream, <laughs> even when I dream of you. That's, exactly. that's not bad. Yeah, I, I can't I've, do it against Steven Tyler. I've done, I've done a little bit of Steven Tyler in my time. I think I've mentioned it before, but a friend of the podcast, Adam Molesky, he used to think that the lyrics to the chorus to Love in an Elevator went, Love in an Elevator, Love in an Elevator, yeah, and just repeated the same words. Over That's over. so much, it's so much better. The actual phrase is, living it up while I'm going down. Yeah, but I, Love in an Elevator, yeah, it's just, it's great. I mean, it's a big it's dumb so rock better. song. Yeah. That's all you need. Um, but yeah, listen out to the for the for the triangle at the end of "Don't Want to Miss a Thing." I'm excited it's, to it's listen there. to that song now. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, this was this was supposed to make a point about a bug's life versus ants, right? That's right. Yeah, and, but yeah. So the first the first third of this movie is the movie Ants, where it's about a rather than an ant who wants to go off and do his own thing, it's about a bee that wants to go off and do his own thing. But rather than ants is weird, I I believe that I haven't seen ants in years, but I believe it gets into kind of a political conspiracy territory where there's an evil leader who's deliberately undermining the ant politic. Ooh. Um, uh, as a whole, um, rather than that, that's replaced in in B movie with he finds a woman who he wants to fuck. 
and that and that's the first that's the first third of this movie and then he comes back and he's like ah i met a really nice human and i went out and saw things um and he keeps going out and then he finds honey and from that point on he realizes that the bees are the exploited worker being destroyed from above by their capitalist overlords the humans and it turns into a really stupid courtroom drama for the middle third (laughs) it becomes Um, like a john grisham legal thriller with bees yeah with a with a with a lawyer getting stung on the bottom um and then for the final third it's like the the world is dying because there's no flowers and it becomes like this airplane landing thriller um yeah. <laughs> so what is going on with this it film? becomes speed it's like, basically with yeah bees. You're, you're you're supposed to uh, speed um <laughs> you're, you're supposed to i understand that you're supposed to tell a story in three acts but those three acts aren't supposed to be entirely different genres of film yeah i think they they had like a bunch of different versions and they took three of the best acts from them and just kind of smashed them together <laughs> they had a tombola with all of their ideas in and it's like okay uh first act is b wants to fuck a lady second act is john grisham third act is airplane crash go 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 ride it that's what i got on Um, the bee fruit machine i'm rich (laughs) exactly um so so yeah bee movie um it is i've never seen anything quite like it um but it kind of is really enjoyable isn't it i thought it was a really good laugh and part of that is to do with jerry seinfeld who is very funny and seinfeld was a great show and he is good at gags and it's it's a, it's an almost quite old school and dated, even at the time of the release of this movie, slightly dated style of comedy, but that I think lends itself well to the the goof factor of this film. Even though at times you think this is literally just a bunch of B gags strewn together, um, with you know, as you say, a bunch of extraneous plot stuff plucked from other films and sort of thrown on top of it. But ultimately, still, it's a bunch of B gags thrown together. It still works. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of puns. Um, and lots of silly little jokes. It's um, like Jerry Seinfeld once visited a bee farm, a honey farm or whatever, <laughs> bought a little notebook in the gift shop and was sitting there in the cafe after it, like trying to write some jokes, which is what he does. And he wrote all his bee jokes in that book. And then someone at DreamWorks got a hold of it and was like, this, my friend, this is gold. This is going to be our new <laughs> film. And Seinfeld was like, all right, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that That's exactly what happened. Um, and and yeah, there's just it's it's kind of nonstop jokes a lot of the way through, particularly at the beginning when they're in the the beehive, um, which is this little city, and all of the jokes are about how they never take breaks and their lives are really short. So it's like uh, Bar- Barry B. Benson, our, our our main character, is talking to his mate. Can I just say I love the name Barry B. Benson? Barry B. Benson, nothing wrong with um, that nothing it's so good um saying oh three days of grade school three days of high school three days of college i'm glad i took a day off in the middle to hitchhike around the hive yeah and it's like yeah okay i get what you're doing there it's a funny little funny little joke um it's uh yeah it's it's there's lots of those little quips where it moves so quickly that you don't think about the the horrifying logic behind this world where all of the animals are sentient and can speak but choose not to um so so initially you think it's just bees or maybe bugs in general that can speak um you know because he runs into a mosquito becomes his friend and they make the obligatory i'm a bloodsucker so i'm gonna become a lawyer joke because of course they do um yeah that, that is very very funny it's chris rock putting on his best voice and yeah he appears <laughs> yes, at the end he's yeah. like yeah i decided to become a lawyer i was already a blood-sucking parasite that's the actual that's, noise that he makes that that's not a joke that's been told a hundred thousand times before um that joke surely that, is in a bug's life and ants as well although i can't I'm confirm sure, that i'm sure it is i'm sure it is um but um but but yeah but it does raise some really worrying questions where at the end he's talking to a cow and the cow is saying oh they take my milk to make cheese you know i'm just a product to them i'm just a piece of meat and you're thinking 
what about all those animals who are slaughtered for food all the yeah. time? Do none of them think as they're about to get killed, wait a minute, I better say something about this. It's just like, no, let's just ignore that and let's just throw in some more jokes. Let's make people forget about the, the logical flaws of this movie with more puns. Throw on the puns, throw on the puns, throw on the puns, please. Throw on the puns. We know that crickets can talk because there's like a raunchy joke about the granddad having dated a cricket once in San Antonio. <laughs> Yes, yeah. And also, um, uh, clearly, fancying spiders is a fetish in the bee world as well. Yeah. They talk about that as well, don't they? Um, That's what I love uh, about this. I mean, I think I I am known on this podcast and take films apart for their logical flaws, which I was doing last week for whatever film we watched last week that I can't even remember because that's <laughs> where I am right now. But in this one, every time there's a gag, it creates a new logical floor <laughs> like every yes, time yeah. there's a bee joke it opens up some new hole in the space-time bee continuum but it doesn't matter because it's funny yeah yeah exactly exactly it's uh, you know this is a movie that does not care about structure or logic it cares about throwing bee puns at you and <laughs> and making um uh, joe swanson get cucked by a bee and that's that's all you need to know about this movie isn't it it's just yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see a man losing his relationship to an to a literal bee. Yes, yeah. oh, it's so good. After he tries to kill him with flames from a deodorant can. Yes, yeah. So uh, I I think it's probably worth talking about the 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 um the cast in general because they're, it's a really good cast. You've got Jerry Seinfeld and Renee Zellweger as the bee and woman who want to have sex with each other. Yeah. And they don't, um, I, obviously, because it's a they good don't, film. They don't, because it... But because it's implied. It, yeah, and it, they don't even really go into the romantic angle at all. So he clearly has a crush on her at the beginning, but then that gets forget- forgotten about as soon as it becomes the John Grisham story. Um, then you've got Matthew Broderick, who's his best mate. You've got Patrick Warburton. Joe Swanson is the, the, the husband who gets cucked by a bee. <laughs> Just want to reiterate man gets cucked by b that person is patrick warburton it's great yeah um you'll remember him got... as cronk in the emperor's new groove of course yep yep um yep um he's got one of those wonderful voices um but then you've got yeah john goodman chris rock kathy bates <laughs> larry king has a cameo ray liotta has a cameo sting has a cameo um you've got opera oprah however you want to pronounce it i say opera because i'm from the uk yeah um but Opera, Oprah, who you'll remember so from interviewing royalty. That's that's yes, what she did, yeah. right? Um, that's it. That's the only thing she's ever done. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think she's an incredibly successful business person. Oh, and she um, she has a book club. People like to read has books a book with club. Her. Yes. Um, you got Rip Torn as well. Yeah. You know, whose name will always amuse me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great um, it's a great cast in here. Um. Also, and, and John DiMaggio as Bailey and John DiMaggio. Let's not forget the voice of Bender and so many other <laughs> characters. He's one of the one of the true like voice actor greats, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. You can't you can't go wrong with John uh, John DiMaggio. He's brilliant and yeah, just a really versatile, wonderful voice actor. Um, but but yeah, the voice cast does a really good job actually, and there's a lot of there's a lot of character behind the voice cast, and it works really well. But then it all gets let, let down a little bit by the fact that this is one of the ugliest 3D animated movies of the era. It actually but, wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. That doesn't mean oh, that really? it's good, but I think I was expecting the animation to be worse. No, so for me, the bees look okay. I still think it's a bit weird that they've got just like really human faces. Yeah. I think it's very disconcerting. But have you looked um, at ants? Like the, the oh, faces yeah, ants, ants are absolutely grotesque. Like in Sylvester, the, how much they look like people. Sylvester Stallone ant is the worst. Um, but they basically it's... all look like Christopher Walken, and he only did the voice of one of them. <laughs> but but yeah, so so they vaguely modelled the characters after the, the the actors in sort of slightly. So Sylvester Stallone ant has this massive jaw, and it's just like Jesus Christ, it's so creepy looking, and all of them look horrifying. Um, so it's not as bad as that, but this is a decade on from Ants. I think it's worth reiterating. Um, so you'd expect things to look better. And I think that ant, that the, the bees in general look okay. 
Um, I still think it's a bit weird that they have those human faces, but in general, I think they look all right. But where it really falls down is with the humans who look so unbelievably ugly. Uh, they're really creepy looking, aren't they? It's They almost look like the blue people from I'm Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Da. Which I, I've still never seen. What, you've never seen the video to Blue? But to Blue? Oh, I thought you were referring to James Cameron's epic film Avatar. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Which I have never um, seen. No, I have seen the video to Blue Dabba D, and now that song is going to be in my head for roughly a month, so thank you. <laughs> Little known fact, a triangle plays in the final chorus of <laughs> Blue Dabba D. That is not true. I'm just making that up. But it is true about Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Go and listen to it. You'll see. You'll all see. Um, but yeah, they're, they're incredibly ugly. I think Rene Zellweger's character, just about passable. Patrick Warburton's character, not so much. He is a very strange shape. <laughs> quite creepy. He's all um, chin. <laughs> but then but then when you get down to the minor characters, like I think that the moment that made me almost turn my stomach was the two uh, pilots at the end, the pilots who accidentally get knocked out at the end when they're when with the plane crash finale, um, who are just so grotesque looking. It's unbelievable. And like you know, movies have advanced since then, but you go back and watch Ratatouille, and I know this isn't a particularly good frame of reference for you, but, you know, think of another Pixar movie from that era. Um, and they look so much better. And this movie costs the same amount of money, you know. It's not as though yeah. it was made on the cheap. Um, but it, it does not They look... spent it all on the rights to Seinfeld's notebook with the, that he got from the gift shop at the bee farm. They gave all the money to Sting for Sting's cameo. Yeah, and to Ray Liotta. He doesn't come cheap. No, really. <laughs> Liotta. um but yeah so yeah it's it's oh it is an ugly it is ugly in my opinion at least you you had less of a problem with it but it was really well, i still didn't think it was me. necessarily nice to look at especially ray Liotta, unfortunately <laughs> and this very weird thing where there's like ray Liotta's special fancy honey with his face on and then yeah there's a whole gag of him appearing in the courtroom as this like capitalist honey baron very odd yeah, you kind of think, has Ray Liotta ever shown any interest in honey before? I don't know that he has. I think they was just like, who can we get for a lot of money? Who'll do this? Ray Liotta. It was, <laughs> they probably tried a bunch of different people first and they were all busy. Yeah, do you think they went through the cast of Goodfellas? Yeah. <laughs> like they wrote the script and they had their little Goodfellas gag in there. Um, and do you think they were just like, right, okay, who can we get from Goodfellas? Yeah. And they... they they were like, okay, we've got, we've got, we've got Ray Liotta. That's that's as good as we're gonna get. Either that or they went through the cast of Field of Dreams, and um, Kevin Costner was busy. <laughs> sure, sure. I guess nothing, nothing says a Goodfellas joke like Field of Dreams. <laughs> Ray um, Liotta's yeah, you- best performance. <laughs> do, do you think? Yeah, they were like, okay, we failed with Robert De Niro. We failed with Joe Pesci. But we got Ray Liotta, everyone. Don't worry. Yeah. We got Ray Liotta. We got Sting. Definitely. He was definitely (laughs) at the peak of his career in 2007. At least 20, what was it? About 20 years on from his appearance in June (laughs) in the Metal (laughs) Cod piece. When did Sting release uh, Desert Rose? That's the last song that I remember him doing. Uh, I'm sure he's done good Sting knowledge. I don't think I've heard that one. Um, that was like his big return, which I think was around the year 2000. 1999, it says here. 1999, okay. Um, yeah, I wonder what he was up to. He was working on a musical, apparently. Um, he did a musical and then released an album off the back of it in 2013. But what was he doing? Yeah experimental albums apparently okay he was doing it this time i'm sure there's a reason we haven't heard them <laughs> do you reckon that's the musical equivalent of a shit piece yeah stings experimental era a sting piece <laughs> a sting piece yeah um so he did do he did do some stuff around this time though apparently he did he did uh, an album called songs from the labyrinth unfortunately i don't think it's songs from the movie labyrinth which i know you've not seen but we should watch at some point no i have not um and then he did an album called if on a winter's night uh 
So he was doing music at this time. That sounds like um, Winter's Tale, which is also a shit piece that we watched. <laughs> which, is, which is also a shit piece. Oh, That's no, quite a good example of a shit piece, actually. That Yeah, that is a very good example of a shit piece. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Sting was clearly doing stuff at this point. He wasn't just sitting around going, I wish I had that pair of metal underpants from June still. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, good cameos from Sting and Ray Liotta. Great cast overall. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but uh, the the romance aspect, I guess, we need to discuss because we are uh, supposed to be a romance, yeah, uh, podcast. Very strange. Um, they never actually say like, "Oh, I love you." We're, I'm in a relationship with you. You be, but like, it's very very obvious. And there, there are sort of gags about it. There's a weird bit where, um, is it his friend Matthew Broderick kind of dobs him into his parents and he's like, he has a human girlfriend and they make out. And he's like, no, we don't. <laughs> yes, yeah, but yeah. you want to. Like, as if that's supposed to be really filthy. And there is actually a lot of quite um, you know, filthy humour in this that would have gone over kids' heads, but that would have the parents taking kids to see it would have enjoyed. Yes, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. A lot of um, incest jokes. <laughs> An awful lot of incest jokes, actually. Those bees Lots over there, they're our cousins. Cu- they're all our cousins. They're all our cousins. We're bees. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of that in it. There's, yeah, there's, there's a fair amount of adult humor and kind of, I think that the core relationship, which, which, like I said, the first third of this movie is very much about that relationship and about him fancying her. And it's never really established if she fancies him. I imagine not because he is a literal bee. <laughs> But you never know, do you? An actual talking um, bee. Uh, an actual talking bee. Yeah. You're like, um, is he handsome as bees go? You know, he, he has a lot of desirable qualities that you'd want in a partner. But I think a lot there'll be a lot of difficulty with that relationship as well. Yeah, there's going to be some physical challenges about that relationship. Um, but also, is he a handsome bee? I don't know if he is. You've got those, you've got those other bees, the... the the air force bees the pollen jocks yeah they're the the ones who give the other bees a noogie and and uh give him a honey swirly yeah um the ones who sort out the whole the whole thing of him being able to leave the hive with them even though it's like set up literally two minutes before that they're the only ones who are allowed to leave the hive they're like we just teased this guy and we're gonna let him come on on the mission with us even though he's not allowed to fly outside the hive we're just gonna let him yeah, it's, it's again, it's another logical failure of this movie where it seems as though it's a very restricted, um, very compacted society where people have their own places. They're all compartmentalized into certain areas and they have to stay there. But, but if someone decides they don't want to, then the other people can be like, oh, yeah, come along with us. It's no problem. But it, it doesn't matter because it moves so quickly that you you, you forget about it. Um, but but yeah, they, they do just kind of go, oh, what the hell? Come with us. Come, come, come. Oh, watch out for the tennis balls. Yeah. And let's have now, uh, have a long sequence to show that we can do some things with animation of him bouncing around on a tennis ball, being hit by the racket and not dying at any point. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, which, yeah, there are those sort of moments where they do get to show that kind of thing. There's also the moments where um, it starts raining and he has to try and avoid the rain. Stuff like that is... It's kind of effective, yeah. Um, because it's it's kind of far away, so you don't get to see how horrible the character models are. No, and I think that kind of stuff it doesn't quite make up for how grotesque the humans are, but it is nice to see, and it is kind of aesthetically pleasing, which I think is why overall I I thought the animation was better than I was expecting. There are some actually quite nice sequences in there. I do like the um, I like the bee cities. I think those are really well designed, and I think. It's again ants as a as an obvious point of comparison because it's another DreamWorks movie about insects, um, but the hives in that just look so grotesque and dour and horrible. Nobody's driving here. a goofy car around in those those ant hills. <laughs> no, they don't have a honey swimming pool. Um, they don't it's... all have like goofy jobs in the in the hive that they're assigned. They don't go on a yeah. little tour of the hive in a little monorail thing. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Um, so there's something magical that works really well about the hive and the whole way that's set up. And it, it, 
I think the, the I think the least successful part of this movie is the end section the plane crash section is the worst yeah. i don't think that works as well but i think that first part of the movie is actually quite strong um where it it sets the framework in place quite well in your mind about oh this is beast society this is what it's like um and then the bizarre switch into the courtroom drama i also think works very well um too so i say for two-thirds of this movie it's it's pretty entertaining yeah you know. for sure yeah the plane thing is so weird it's really tacked on like the last yeah the the last 10 minutes and that's when like yeah after the courtroom drama there's only about 10 to 15 minutes left this film is a perfect 90 minutes by the way which is great i yeah. think that's the perfect yeah. length for it but yeah after the courtroom drama's over it's suddenly like 10 to 15 minutes of oh well we can't just end there with a courtroom victory Everyone would have too many questions, so they have to make up this whole thing. All the flowers are literally dead all over the world, and it's done in like two to three minutes. Very quick, sort of rising action. <laughs> Just like, oh, suddenly everything's died, and we need to go to Pasadena because that's the only place where there are flowers, and then we need to bring the flowers back to New York because we couldn't just pollinate there yeah which again makes no sense but all of that ha- needs to happen because there needs to be 10 minutes of stuff happening on a plane jeopardy plane <laughs> yeah we need the plane crash um it's just yeah it's very bizarre isn't it and so um, that the bees can all be allowed to leave the hive and guide the plane to safety and also i think the most uh, heinous crime of this movie is that section because it undermines the strong communist message of B movie. Yeah. So I love this. I love it when movies where you don't expect them to be actually have a strong anti-capitalist message. Yeah. Like, I knew uh, you would enjoy that and I enjoyed it a lot as well. I would have preferred if if it had all the bees marching out of the hives, you know, at the end in a, ce- a celebration of their newfound freedom. Yeah, or or at least having a kind of, and and you kind of get that there's an, uh, they've taken, they've seized the means of production, basically. Yeah. Um, that that has, sorry, they they've seized the means <laughs> of production. Um, I I apologise for what that might do for the audio that you're editing. By the way, Paddy, hopefully it's okay. That's um, right. I'm more worried about that. the people who are listening to that on uh, double speed or half speed, even. <laughs> um but yes so so this movie it has the bees realizing wait we're being exploited by our capitalist overlords the humans so then they launch a legal case and the court finds that bees actually have ownership of the honey that they've created um which is great and so there's these scenes where they're like reinstating the honey back to the hives and it's brilliant but then it kind of undermines it by saying oh but now the bees have nothing to do it's like no they could still make the honey yeah they could then just sell it back to the humans which is kind of too much honey and that's kind of what's established at the end is that the the bees are now they've taken ownership they're now selling the honey back on their own terms to the humans which is great and so it's like yeah you know you can have this collaboration you can have socialism working within a capitalist society and it benefiting the workers at the end of the day and it's like yeah that's a great message but i just wish it hadn't done the whole oh they don't know what to do now that they don't have honey to make yeah stolen from them they did make me think that like really it's actually trying to tell you that all you should do with your life is work and be productive because if you don't it's like gonna kill everything in society which is the argument that's always used against you know progressive policies like a basic income or whatever that you know or the the idea that if you know we were to follow the ideas that people used to have about economics and that we would be working less in the future because of automation and all that kind of thing that we would actually be having a shorter working week or whatever that productivity would go down and everything would die because people would just be lounging around that like yeah i worry that that's actually the underlying message that it was trying to get across seinfeld yeah. you arch capitalist yeah you neocon bastards um so so yeah so i had i had some complaints about that because as a podcast we stand the notion of the ubi yeah 100 you've, you've got two choices in life ubi or uti which one do you stand with <laughs> ubi the or UBI. nft <laughs> yeah exactly exactly or ub40 um, and, and let's be honest choices. here a lot of the people that that create the notion of people lounging around not doing anything and that being the downfall of society that's all that they do all day yeah. You know, you look at the people at the top of the food chain, they don't do any bloody work. They just sit around doing nothing all day. 
Um, so if they're able to do it, why can't everybody else? And, and the idea that people need work to give them something to live for is also, I think, a notion that is is proven wrong time and time again. Because you look at the arts that are created, arts are predominantly created by people who come from rich families where they don't have to worry about working and they can focus on 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 creating the art that they want to create um by giving people more freedom to choose what to do with their time you get things like art you get creativity you get progression yeah um and this is why il postino is the greatest movie of all time because (laughs) exactly the, the his work as a postman doesn't give him purpose it's the poetry he's writing in between yeah, Under precisely. The precisely. Just the famous Cuban poet Pablo Neruda, and you know, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but then, then people, you know, people will find other things to do with their time. They won't. They don't have to rely on doing a a job that they hate to make the money to pay the bills. They don't have to churn honey all day to give them purpose. They'll yeah. find something else to give them purpose. When are we going to see the first great bee poet? When are we going to see the first great bee technological technological genius? In you know, Elon Musk, yeah. Um, no exactly it's an artless society and that's why they're all so unfulfilled and have to fill their time with work um they do have television um (laughs) be larry king um yeah so it's it's just yeah i i didn't like the fact that they toned down its anti-capitalist message and i wonder if that was that was them going oh god this is too radical yeah we can make people believe that a bee and a woman would want to fuck each other but fair conditions for workers workers owning what they create that's too jokes fine (laughs) exactly um so yeah so i knock points off for that it should have gone all in and not had you, you didn't have to have that end bit where it's like oh well, everything's dying because the workers are enjoying themselves yeah um, you didn't need that I didn't so, like yeah. that fuck you b movie from an environmentalist standpoint it does <laughs> it does highlight the fact that we need bees in the ecosystem and we need to keep the bees happy and whatever so from that point of view it's good but ultimately yeah as an anti-capitalist metaphor, it, it fell apart at that point. And that was very disappointing. Yeah, I think it maybe should have gone even further down the the, the legal front, where rather than it being a plane crash at the end, um, instead it's um, the bees lose their court case because, of course, they do because they're the workers standing against the establishment. So what they do is the bees go on strike and they refuse to make honey and they refuse to pollinate. And that leads the humans to realize, wait, we need the bees. We need the workers. We need the proletariat. Yeah. Um, they lose all... the court case, but they seize the bees of production anyway. Yeah, they, they do it anyway. And then they concede and think, you know what? No, we do need you to do this. We need you to um, to make our honey. We need you to pollinate our plants because without the worker, society crumbles. Um, and that's what, the, that's what the end of the movie should have been. You could have had little, a little bee picket. You could have had the police coming in to try and disrupt the 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 um the protests and getting scared off by the bees and stuff like that. Yeah, because the bees would win. That's the thing. Of course if they would. Upwards of three bees versus a human, the bees would win because <laughs> humans <laughs> yeah. are terrified of bees. Because humans are terrified of bees, and you can't which get is established them. in the movie. So yeah, in a, in my remake of Bee Movie, the live action remake of Bee Movie. <laughs> live action in inverted commas (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) which is what Um, they have now this is a thing now that they did it with the lion king the live action b movie genuinely is not worse than than that (laughs) no exactly at least you'll have some humans in it actual Um, talking lions and stuff (laughs) yeah um so yeah in in our remake of b movie only changes genre once in its runtime so <laughs> rather you've got... than three or four times <laughs> yeah so it, it, you've got the the start you've got the bee escaping society falling in love with a human maybe we even spice it up a bit and have it even more romantic um then he realizes that bees are being exploited 
and uh and starts this legal case they lose the legal case but then yeah they go on strike the human society the bourgeois human society realizes that it needs the worker bee to survive it needs bees to pollinate it needs bees to create the honey that it needs and so they come to an understanding and the bees have their means of production they cooperate and society thrives again yeah. That's what this movie should have been. They agreed to give the bees a universal bee income. <laughs> yeah, exactly. UBI. Yeah, exactly. And you can make that joke and it would be funny. So B movie, B movie the reckoning is what we'll call it. Yeah. Because it's not it's not a sequel, it's a reboot. But we need to separate it out from the original B movie. B movie reloaded. B yeah. movie revolutions. The B movie, yeah, the B evolution, <laughs> B evolution. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, um, that that that's um, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you can't stop the children of the B evolution. That'll be our little song. Yeah, it'll be like a um, pop cover of it done by yeah. a contemporary artist. Yeah, who and then we release a video, and that's kind of like the promo where they're in B form and they're singing it. Yeah, it won't be weird at all. <laughs> It'll be great. And then It'll we'll be, be able great. to sell the NFT of that for $60 million to fund <laughs> yeah, some exactly. of our other less popular film projects like Lit Men. Maybe yeah. this is the way, because we're struggling to get Lit Men off the ground. Maybe this is the way we get Seinfeld in and signed up. We get him to do this one. It goes well. He's like, okay, I'll do <laughs> He's Lit like, Men okay, now. I'll do Lit Men now. Yeah, that's great. And also we can then be called hypocrites by everyone because we're using something like an MFT that's so bad for the environment whilst making a movie that's about how bees are important to the environment. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're literally killing bees with how much electricity <laughs> we're using. Probably exactly. someone out there who's funding our blockchain is yeah, literally cutting down beehives to put in servers. <laughs> and also killing bees by having so many of them starring in our live action reboot of Bee Movie. Yeah, because they they don't live for very long and a film generally takes <laughs> no. a lot <laughs> quite a long time to shoot. You'll yeah, go anyway, through about twenty bees just playing one character. If you've got to have auditions, so who's gonna be the best bee? And then when they die you've got to redo the auditions. It's a whole logistical nightmare. Yeah. Um so uh, this movie was made by DreamWorks. Are you a fan of DreamWorks pictures? I'd I'd say in general, yes. Not everything is a hit. They're not as good as Pixar, obviously. But yeah, they've done yeah. there's been some gems in there. There's there's Shrek, obviously. Mm-hmm. Can't, yeah, can't argue I think, with Shrek. Because I think some of them were really good. So I think they had a really strong start. You've got the creepy otherness of ants. Um, but then you've got Prince of Egypt. Uh, the Prince of Rhodes. Egypt is the film that everyone who is around our age watched in religious education lessons at the end of term in primary school. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, you've got uh, The Road to El Dorado, which is a legit banger of a movie starring I've not Kevin Kline. It's Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh are these two um, uh, Spanish stowaways on an explorer boat who uh, who um, end up in El Dorado, the city of gold, and it's very very funny. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's a great a great little movie um, with a great soundtrack as well. So that that's one of those. It's one of those 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 DreamWorks movies where you're like, this could be a good Disney movie. Which you can't say for all of them, but some of them no. are like this is this is on par with what Disney's creating. Um but yeah, Chicken Run, Shrek, brilliant. Hey, Shrek run. two. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, it was it was them and Ardman, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um who who put it together. Oh, um, and they did when, the How to Train Your Dragon films. Those are surprisingly good. Oh yeah, no, the How to Train Your Dragon movies and the Kung Fu Panda movies are genuinely wonderful. Um but where's our B movie sequel? I know. It's very unfair that they didn't make it a franchise. And um, I'm sure the yeah, only reason is because needed. of capitalist greed. Yeah, that's the only reason. They realized yeah. that the movie was too had too strong a, a communist message. And so they were like, we can't allow this to propagate. We must shut it down. We've got to make the boss baby instead. Yeah, and Turbo still never about seen. a very fast snail. I've still never seen uh, Boss Baby, by the I way. I think I've seen like half of it when it was on TV once and we were channel hopping. It's not good. Okay. I can't imagine I love Alec Baldwin, but it's not good. 
I can't imagine it is good. It is about a boss baby. Yeah, there's only so much um, you can do with that, right? You know, yeah, I, yeah. what we've learned from B-Movie is that 90 minutes of B-Gags are actually quite good. It was probably 90 minutes of baby gags. I mean, I've heard them all because I had a baby, but I think yeah. there's only so much you can do with babies, whereas there's a lot you can do with bees. Yeah, there is. There's lots you can do with bees. You've got the whole 126th of the alphabet. To yeah. <laughs> you got hives... Honey, yeah, it's it's great. Honey it's being great. like money, that's a, th- a theme of a lot of their gags, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, but but overall, I'd say it's a pretty funny, pretty shit PC movie. Yeah, movie. It's obviously very strange. I think you have to be in the right mood for it. Yeah, yeah. This isn't an everyday watch, is it? No. It's it, yeah. It's not necessarily your your light hearted weekend film. No, but but what I would say is, a lot of a lot of the memes were based around the romantic element between the bee and the woman. That's not actually a big part of the plot, but it's worth watching for the courtroom drama element of it. Yeah, which is very bizarre. thrilling. At one point, yeah. a bear comes into the courtroom. There's a bear. There, there's an a, assault on the life of the prosecuting uh, lawyer. Yeah, it's, Matthew Broderick uh, stings him, and then he's in in hospital. For some reason, he's, he goes to a human hospital, even though he's a bee, and he's <laughs> yeah. sitting there in like a human sized bed with a fake. Um, they've got like a little fake plastic tiny sword from the cafeteria yeah, that they're using yeah. as a stinger because that's how what, saving a bee's life works, obviously. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it's uh, yeah. The, the bees are also as strong as humans. You see Barry B. Benson having a sword fight with Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Um, uh, at one point, uh, where he's got a little, I've forgotten what he's got. He's he's got something. Um, but then also he uses the human toilet. The bee uses the human yeah. toilet. I'm like, he says, "Gonna what? go Why? drain the old stinger." Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? um but yeah it's it's uh, uh and and patrick warburton's late for dinner uh and so uh renee zellweger serves up dinner to barry b benson instead you are like well he didn't eat all the food did he because he's a bee no he ate like a grain of rice yeah uh, it's, it's like a little a little um fruit pastel he's eating it's like that's all he's eating i wasn't sure what that was it looked like a little lime yeah, I, th- I thought it was like a fruit pastel or a, or a wine gum or something like that. And like, well, your your dinner's still going to be there, Patrick Warburton. He's not going to have eaten it all. He's a bee. Um, but yeah, so but but there's there's some funny jokes, isn't there, in it? Um, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed Patrick Warburton shouting, "That bee is living my life. When will yeah. this nightmare end?" <laughs> um, which which is good. Yeah. Um, he was his anger was very very funny. He's a very very overblown ridiculous character that actually yeah was a nice counterpoint to Seinfeld's just kind of always cheerful be. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's a nice uh, a nice binary going on there, isn't there? Um, it's you know the, the the furious capitalist man versus the the chill Chad communist bee. Yeah, he is really chill, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's extremely relaxed all the time. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, B movie, give it a go. Give it a try. It's it's absolutely worth your time for sure. Yeah, this is this is nowhere near as bad as people make it out to be. It's maybe not as not as wacky as people make it out to be either. So don't go into it expecting the meme to control the entire narrative. Um, but there's some solid <laughs> jokes. It does have those very strange genre shifts um so yeah it's uh, yeah. it's uh, it's uh, all right if you enjoy a bit of plane jeopardy ending to a film but with bees you're gonna love it <laughs> and if you don't you're not gonna love the end yeah um a bit like yeah. the presence of hugh grant in last week's film yes yeah <laughs> exactly exactly which also came out the um, same year as this um oh yes of course yeah a good year. Um, for I think film. that's that's why we chose it, wasn't it? <laughs> it was the same year. I mean, Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's older. Uh, it's older uh, B movie, and it's an interesting one for Jerry Seinfeld because I don't think that he's done a lot of like 
even like movie acting or voice acting, it seemed like yeah, it could have been the start of a big career for him in in voice acting, but he didn't choose to go down that route necessarily. Yeah, because what what else has he done? He's done the comedians get in my car and have a cup of coffee. That's the show that he does. <laughs> That's the show that he does. Comedians in car getting coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just seeing what else. He voiced Barry B. Benson in the B-movie video game. There's a B-movie video game? Yeah, apparently it's awful. It's one of the most notoriously bad games ever released. I think we should get it. We should play it and do an episode on that. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, he voiced someone in Dilbert in the Dilbert TV show. I didn't even realise there was a Dilbert TV no, show. No, it wasn't. It, it was supposed to be awful, I think. Oh, really? Uh, well, the guy who makes Dilbert's awful, so that yeah, makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, he's not. He's not done any really, has he? No. Apart from weirdly enough, the first thing he was ever in was a show called. Benson. Benson? Yeah. Oh, setting the stage for it. I see. Yeah, so the the roots of B-movie run all the way back to, to the 80s. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. And he also did one of the best ever first pitches of a baseball game. It's great. Oh, really? I think he's done more than one in his time, but his most recent one at a Mets game, he like kind of sidearms it in there. It's great. Oh, very good. Very good. Um, So, uh, yeah, how are we going to... There's no real interesting trivia about this movie. It's all stuff that we've covered. <laughs> I think we've covered, covered it all. We've covered lots of lots of it already. Um, so, um, yeah, the only thing to point out is that, unfortunately, Jerry Seinfeld has said he doesn't want to make a sequel because it would take away from the uniqueness of the original. But is a live-action remake a sequel? Yeah, or is it a reboot? So, yeah, I think, Jerry, we're going to get you. We're going to get you on board with the B-boot. <laughs> um, we're going to get you in a live-action remake. You're going to wear a B-costume. Like you great. always wanted to do. Like you always wanted. We're going to make it happen. Ian DreamWorks said no to that, and you were very disappointed. We'll let you do it. We'll yeah. let you do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, it's going to exactly, be your film, exactly. man. We're going to go all out on whatever you want. Um, so, so how are we how are we going to rank this bad boy? Um, let's see. Well, how many pollen jocks are in your hive bringing back the honey today? So, I've got a solid fourteen. There's a good old squad of pollen jocks uh, bringing bringing it back. It's a very strange movie. It goes in weird directions. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I'm taking some points off because it dilutes its strong communist messaging. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's a, it's a funny little uh, animated movie. I'm even going to go one more and give it a 15 because I, I was just so pleasantly surprised by it and how, yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting. And I was expecting it just to be kind of laughably rubbish. But it it had that it had the shit piece magic. And I really appreciated that. And it deserves its yes, place in yeah. meme culture. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's uh, it's uh, you're never going to watch anything quite like B movie. No, and that's a good thing. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, what have we got coming up next? Good. Well, speaking of good things, um, when we were going through our choices a couple of episodes ago, um, that was expressed to me by my dad and other people that they were disappointed that we didn't choose as good as it gets when I gave you a list of options. So, and Jack Nicholson was in there. So there you go. We're doing as good as it gets, which is a film that both of my parents like a lot. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's good. It's also a film that I like. So this is, this is going to be nice. Yeah. I think it's a good one. I haven't seen it in quite a few years. So I'm, it's, a, it's a good time to be watching it again, I think. Yes. Excellent stuff. And get to do something classic as we approach our 200th episode. We're, yeah, we're almost there. Only you'll, a few weeks away. You'll have to let me know when we reach it so that we do our special, whatever yeah. special episode we, we do. Well, um, let's see. This one we're recording right now is episode 197. So as good as it gets will be 198. We have one after that and then it'll be 200. 
Oh, that's fine. So it'll be your choice anyway. So we'll yeah. The, the pressure's on you to choose a good special movie. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll talk offline. Yes. Yeah. Prince has made two other films that we haven't talked about, so you know, <laughs> there's a lot of options. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening. We really, really appreciate it, and we hope you're doing well and staying safe and healthy in these continually strange times, and that you can find. You know, find joy in things like B-Movie and in our show. We we appreciate you. Yeah, we do. We love you all. And yeah. we hope you enjoyed B-Movie. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. You can email us, BigBoysDon'tCrowPodcast at gmail.com. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. Think of it like a like a tip jar, not a honey jar. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of extra stuff to get the B-Movie live-action remake off the ground. Yeah. You know, if if every one of you gave us a significant amount of money, we'd be able to get Jerry Seinfeld on board. I remember yes. it's all the long long con to get him involved in Lit Men as well. So you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're creating the 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 great empire of movies here, people. Yeah, we need your money to open the studio. So so please give generously. Yes, for sure. All right, and remember to rate, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back next week to talk about as good as it gets. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye.